Welcome to a new paradigm of education podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sayers. A new paradigm of education is a collaboration of humanity. It's a conscious choice to make change for the next generation of children in this world, students of this world. It's holding hands with parents, with educators, with coaches, with business owners, with anybody who's actually caring to make a difference um, to the planet and to our children, because that is what a new paradigm of education is calling forth. So today we have a very special guest with us, and her name is Hannah, and she is a home educating mother of three from the UK. She's a coach, she's a conscious leader and a visionary of enlightened mummers. I look forward to hearing about your journey as a parent, educator and a mindful mother. So would you like to just share a little bit about yourself to start off with Hannah? Yeah, so I'm obviously I'm a home educator, absolutely adore home educating my children. They're 39 and, and six, just love it. I always knew I was gonna home educate. And I'm a professional cellist as well. So that's what I was doing in London before we moved down when Ollie was one years old. And then, then I really just became full-time mum, being really, really super busy. And then within the last couple of years, I've now become a coach as well. And yeah, just love what I do. I've always been a conscious mama, mindful mama, you know, carrying my babies wherever I go, you know, co-sleeping, breastfeeding them till they wean themselves and all of this stuff. That was always me. In the last couple of years, I really discovered something else when I started to really meditate. In fact, it's been more than two, it's been about four years now. And I suddenly just everything opened up for me, everything. And I felt so much joy. It was more than I'd ever felt before. And just everything became very, very clear. So then I became a coach as well to help other mums feel the same way as well. Wow, that's so powerful. We can talk. There's so many things to talk about in all of that. Yes, I hear you about the path of uh, meditation. For me, it's also completely changed uh, my life as an educator and just person in this world. <laughs> my whole my whole style of teaching, um, the way that I walked the earth, just everything just um, became for the best when I started meditating as well. Um, we can talk about that. Uh, in a yeah maybe we'll start with that so do you do meditation like um, as your daily practice and could you share something like maybe do you do it with your children or do you offer anything for children around that before we get into all the homeschooling stuff seeing as I've started with that yeah absolutely so I started meditating because I needed to heal my body from Crohn's disease so that's where I started and so I was following Joe Dispenza so I started with his meditations and I did it every single day. So I started with this, the 15 minute ones and then I just progressed. And then I was doing 45 minutes every day. I've even done the long ones that are an hour and a half, you know, done them, but I don't do them every day. It tends to be about 45 minutes and I do it every single day. Absolutely. Before I go to bed is the perfect time because then of course you're setting yourself up for this ne the next eight hours, nine hours It's all going into subconscious, isn't it? And then you wake up feeling amazing. Then I like to have a shorter meditation in the morning as well as part of my morning routine. And I'm just sorted. Just has absolutely changed my life because it changed everything mentally as well for me. And like you said, everything became clear in terms of how I was being a mum as well. So it changed the way I saw myself. It allowed me to really love myself more as well and look at things that were happening in a much more, much more like the observer as opposed to feeling bad because I'd made a mistake or feeling like I'd done the wrong thing, suddenly I was able to see it in a different way. And of course that really helped me and I became much more conscious as a mum as well because of it, definitely. 
That's so powerful. And I love what you offer in your Enlightened Mama's Container. I've been in there and she's always offering all this amazing wisdom for mothers who are wanting to, I guess, empower themselves or even just have that moment of like peace or relaxation in the day because it gets so busy, I, I know, as a parent myself. Um, so what do you offer like for your mamas? Like, do you suggest they do any type of meditation in particular or what could you, what kind of tips could you help them with? Yeah, absolutely. So I do loads and loads of guided meditations on my, my YouTube channel and I give them lots of them. So I do ones just for letting go in the moment. I've got ones there for healing physically, healing mentally for times when you're really struggling. And they're all about 15 minutes long because that tends to be what people like when they're busy mums. If they want to take it further, of course, I do longer ones with them. But that's what I tend to give them. Also, mindful exercises in the moment, you know, the breathing and maybe vis visualizing at the same time. That really, really helps them. And just self-love exercises as well. You're looking in the mirror just choosing to actually feel worthy because when you feel worthy of course your children feel more worthy so all of these exercises just really help the mums but actually I forgot to answer your question do I do it with my children yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely do so my children know me now literally whenever it's my birthday they give me a card and they've always drawn a meditating mum or I've had a little FIMO model made with, with me really wow <laughs> Exactly. That is me. They know that I do it all the time and they do it absolutely with me. So when we go to bed, I'll quite often tell a story and I'll do a little meditation with them. I often do that. And if they're struggling, I'll always sit with them for a moment and then we'll, I'll, we'll go through breathing and we'll just we'll just talk about what happens. First of all, I'll calm them down and just just allow them and wait for them to want to give me a hug because don't always want that hug straight away right mm. when they're really struggling with an emotion. If they've done something wrong or they feel they want it to be perfect those moments but I always just sit and watch and they know I'm there for them that's a big thing I think being a conscious mama it's allowing them to know I'm there without pushing in very very important and then and then I absolutely then I'll do the exercises the visualizations and the meditations with them as well and that is really helping them that's amazing and some of them you said are as older they're in their teens so do they also do it themselves naturally or is it always like a family kind of thing yeah, my 13-year-old, absolutely. He wants to do it more with me, actually, but he does tend to want to do it with me still at the moment. I have given him some of them before, and he'll put the headphones in and listen to it before he goes to sleep. But he prefers to do it with me, actually, still, which is really lovely. That's really beautiful. I was just curious because my little girl, who's four, just suddenly started meditating alone I mean not alone but just like she just dropped to the floor she put her hands like you know in the mudra and then started chanting um a, a, a chant that I use a, a common chant that I'm often doing and I was like oh my goodness she's just learned through watching me and then quite often I'm doing things on zoom either hosting or receiving whichever I'm doing with meditation she'll come and bounce in the background la 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 but I guess she's just taking it all in at that moment right <laughs> and I was just astounded like so sometimes she'll just go and sit in a little corner by herself and just go like this like it might just be 10 seconds or something but she it's just something she did I never said oh let's go meditate or anything like that that's why I was asking about um just yeah how it is in your family it's probably different for everybody so <laughs> definitely yeah I have actually got oh, I came into the room once and my daughter was sitting where I usually do my meditation doing a meditation same thing as you and she's my youngest so yeah when she was four or five it yeah it's almost maybe like they're just exploring their body or whatever it is but why not explore it that way right <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. What was I going to ask you? So the, the main thing, well, not the main thing, but something that I'm really curious about, and I'm sure a lot of the world is at the moment um, with everything that's happening, seems like a lot of people have turned to homeschooling. And I know for you, you've turned to homeschooling 
when you first had your children, like all those years ago, it was like a conscious choice. So I'd just love to hear from your perspective and your wisdom all about homeschooling. I'm sure there's so much you could share with um, people who are wanting help with it or just, yeah, your experience about it would be amazing. Well, I absolutely adore it. I'm sure you can tell. I feel so passionate about it. I always knew I was going to do it before I even had children. It's just something I was going to do. And um, yeah, I wanted them to be able to learn at their own pace and to learn what they were passionate about and to explore and be free to explore. So I don't really push anything. I tend to follow them. We do do, you know, writing and reading and, and stuff like that. But actually, whereas, you know, a a lot of people sit with their four-year-old and they'll do the reading and it's time to start reading now. I never did that. I always allowed them to come and I'll suggest it. If they're not feeling it, we won't do it. And in fact, my eldest son then didn't really start to read till he was six, but within just a few weeks, he was from not really reading to reading full big books. Wow. So it happened all by himself. And then there'll be situations the same with my other two as well. My, my daughter who's six, not really reading yet, but she, it's, she's just beginning to really show an interest. And it tends to be around that age with all of them. But actually just in terms of anything like history, geography, science, what I find is we'll be chatting away and my son, my eldest son will suddenly say things to me. And I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, I just read it in the book. He now definitely knows more than I do about all of those subjects because he just loves learning. He just sits there reading it. He just picks it all up. It's just incredible. It's just, it's magical actually, because he's really following what he wants to do. And he loves it because he's doing it in his own time when he feels he wants to do it as well. So yeah, wow. so it's brilliant. Love it. That's amazing. So can I ask you then, like in terms of, I'm just thinking of it from my like educator's perspective, who's followed a curriculum and all of that stuff versus and you know the people who do maybe unschooling who have no curriculum and then there's kind of homeschooling and I feel like that sits in the middle like some homeschoolers I've met are using a curriculum some aren't using it you know are there regulations you're supposed to follow in the UK like could you tell me all those kind of practical steps like what I would do yeah yeah absolutely so of course I would say I'm in between I'm not really uh, I don't follow a curriculum exactly but I do a little bit. So we'll get the workbooks and we do things like that. And we do work through what I think they should know, mm -hmm. but when they feel that like they want to do it, really, really important. Um, so I'm not exactly an unschooled either because we do actually, um, like for example, they're really into their music and we're not big on exams. Me and my husband, both professional musicians, we don't think they need to do exams. However, we do find it gives them focus. So, you know, we will probably get them to do their grade eight associated board. I don't know if you know what that is in, the, in England, that's the exam you would do before you go to music college potentially, just to give them the focus. They're all at that standard already, don't need to do it, but it's quite nice. And my eldest son is actually going to do a GCSE music, which is the exam you'd usually do when you're 16 in the UK and he's actually going to do it this year when he's 13 so because he's very very talented in that we're just getting in private lessons with a friend of mine who's head of music at a private school and it just means he can do it now but he doesn't have to do eight GCSEs all at the same time I don't think it's necessary to do the exams again for that you know don't think it's you need to but again it gives him that focus and it's quite good for him I think because then you feel really good and then he really enjoys his time off when he's just chilling out that much more as well so the GCSE, is that, did you say music? You said, is that the maths and the English as well? Like, is it, which subjects is it? Is it all the core subjects or? Yeah. So GCSE, you do different subjects. So generally, if you're at school in the UK, you would have to do your maths and English and science, I think. Uh, okay. And then you get to choose your other subjects. You get to choose the other four and you'll end up doing eight, nine, 10 GCSEs. Maybe some schools will do more. 
Um, but we're just choosing that Ollie wanted to do GCSE music this year. Ah, okay. Doing it in a year and just getting it done because it's just something he can do and he's he already could do it. His performance was way above the standard, his you know, composition was way above the standard. It was one of those, but that's only because he's been able to have the time to really follow through and follow his passion and just play when he wants to play. And it's been just lovely, lovely to watch. Our house is always full of music. That's amazing. And so will they also do the maths or the English? Like, or is it just going to be a choice that they have? Or is it something you feel like is going to be helpful for them for their future? I know like a lot of parents will probably be considering all of this stuff um, when they're doing it. Definitely. So I'm definitely someone who doesn't believe, I don't believe in sort of backups, as it were. I, I just believe my children could do anything they want. And I don't need a backup, a full, you know, in case something doesn't work out. I'm just not that sort of person. Um, so for that reason, I wouldn't need them to do their maths and English and all of that um, in terms of getting a job or whatever. However, just because of what I've just said, I've seen with my children, they need a little bit of focus sometimes. It makes them feel better and it makes them actually enjoy the rest of what they're doing that much more. I can see that just by having, just by having that. So in fact, the, in terms of the maths, I, there's one thing I can't keep up with. So actually with my eldest, that's one thing I've completely forgotten. So um, come next term, I will be getting his maths tutor back. He's amazing. And actually then we might well do again the GCSE maths early, just so we, just because he's good, he's got a really, you know, he can do it. So why not is the case just because it, I think it makes him happier when he's got that focus actually. And it's good for him. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. All right. So we've got Janet entering our podcast now. <laughs> we've just been talking about homeschooling already, Janet, and um, how Hannah's an enlightened mother. And so maybe we could just get you to um, like just I guess, introduce yourself and then we'll just weave your magic in as well. Because as everybody will know from the podcast, Janet was one of our authors on the new paradigm of education. She's also had the homeschooling background uh, in a different generation. But of course, there's so much to share around that. So I'll just take yourself off mute and maybe you could just uh, jump in and share with us as well. That would be amazing. Thanks for what you just shared, Hannah. Oh, you're just on mute currently still, Janet. <laughs> Yeah, I really loved what you were saying, Hannah. So it's perfect. There's so much to share with it's helpful. Okay, hopefully we could hear you now. All right. So happy to see both of you. And what an honor to be here. I was struggling to get on this morning, but here I am. So I'm Janet Verifine. And yes, I kind of started the homeschooling movement many years ago. So I was responsible for going to Arizona legislature and, you know, working with the, the laws on homeschooling and putting those into place in the 80s, the early 80s. And I was a very, very um, avid follower of John Holt who was the author of How Children Learn and How Children Fail, who actually started this whole homeschooling movement. So I met him and brought him on a tour of Arizona where he gave talks and you know, shared ideas on education and homeschooling with many families all through Arizona. So we went to the tribes and all the way from the northern area, 
there with the tribes down into the southern part of Arizona and Tucson. So the whole state, we traveled and we ended our tour with a ballet. So he and I went to a ballet together and it was just amazing. So just sharing that wealth of information that he had and that legacy that he brought to all of us to carry on. And I'm so honored that I was a firsthand part of that way back when. So it, it was really enlightening for me. And of course I had my children with me. So they came to the ballet as well. And yeah, it was just, I think it was Swan Lake and it was wonderful. So any questions about that? Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit more about your, um, it's really powerful. I can't believe you were had such a mentor and everything. And I, I just love how you later created your own kind of homeschool and things like that. So I guess maybe our listeners like on the podcast would love to hear your story or your adventure about how you created that or what inspired you to do that just so that they could take little pieces for themselves if they're thinking of it. I think that could be helpful. Yeah, sure. I mean, that was again in the day where homeschooling wasn't really um, in common. It wasn't common talk. People were hesitant about it. They were a little frightened and unsure of it. There weren't laws protecting it. So they felt they were doing something outside of the law. And there were no curriculums that you could just go online and purchase. So what I did, because I also as a single mom needed to stay at home or wanted to stay at home with my children as I was homeschooling them. So I created homeschooling curricula for other families who wanted to homeschool. And I kind of went in as a consultant and observed the family and listened to their needs and what it is they really wanted most out of this educational experience. And I tailor made the curriculum to suit their needs. So there was never one that was the same. Everything was unique for each family. And then I also believe that socialization is really important. So I turned my home into a home school and I advertised. I lived in a small community in Northern Arizona, right at the kind of base of the Grand Canyon called Williams. So if you've ever gone to the Grand Canyon, you've had to go through there. And I lived at the very, very top of a hill in an old Episcopalian parsonage. So it was a, a large home. And I turned every room into a different learning center. I advertised in the local paper and people brought their kids and I had 12 to 15 children. Wow. So it was exciting. Yeah. That's amazing. And maybe for the people who can't see us, like the ones that are just listening, what year was that? Like around that about? That was in, nine, let me say, 1983. 
Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And yeah. you had this school for Before quite a few years. Before all right? of y'all were born, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I learned to incorporate, I, I incorporated as a private school. Because you can imagine in a little town in northern Arizona, in a very conservative, and they already had a public school. So no one understood, well, why would we need another school? We already had one or have one. So then I would do a lot of talks and articles in the paper and um, create activities. We had a little theater and a, a play and invited people and a lot of fundraising activities. That's amazing. I love, I just love how you brought all of that into um, your, your school became, your home became a school and the school became a home. And it was so innovating for that generation. And we were just sharing with Hannah before, like a lot of the world now just suddenly are homeschooling because of what's been happening. A lot of people aren't returning to schools and things like that. So it's really powerful right. to hear both of the perspectives on, on this topic. Did you want to share something, Hannah? You just... Yeah, I know. I just think that's it is amazing. That sounds amazing, Janet. Wow. John Howard, I've got his book downstairs. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, you you are amazing, Hannah, and also Monique. So it was such an inspiration to be able to be on here with both of you. And then I was also studying, you know, the Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf method. And I love Montessori, so it was kind of a mixture of both. And eclectic with nature, I did a lot of nature activities. Most of our time was spent outside, it was in the woods. So we would do nature activities every day and built straw houses and all kinds of things. It was just the most fun time of my life. And Um. I called it, the name of it was the Oak Mountain Home School. My older son's middle name is Oak, and it's Jeremiah Oak. And my younger son was Nathaniel Ken from the I Ching, which meant mountain. So it was the Oak Mountain Home School. (laughs) That's amazing. Thanks for sharing. I'd love also to hear hear a little bit from um, Hannah as well like because Janet was just talking about socialization and that's always been myself um, wondering like if I was ever going to create a homeschool or not how I'd go around the socialization like what do you do with your children for in terms of social socialization because we've got two different styles of homeschooling in the one podcast it's so perfect yeah (laughs) socialization is amazing here so in where I live in Paul in Dorset in the UK there's a massive community here so we have a Facebook group which is over 700 people oh wow and so we meet I know it's amazing we have meetups so this week they've done snowboarding my daughter does skiing they have their groups we have all the friends all the adults are together as well and they interact with all the different ages which is just wonderful so one big thing that people say about my children is that they can talk to anyone so they talk to adults the younger children my 13 year old for example will be the, the boy that all the younger children will follow in my, so say my daughter has skiing lesson with her five friends who are six. He mm-hmm. now becomes the leader when they go to the park. 
and him and my other nine-year-old son, they're all working together and playing together and they look up to Ollie. And it's just incredible. The socialization is actually, I think, better in this situation because they're not confined to their own little age group. They actually can, they interact with all the different ages and it's just wonderful to see. So, yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And they get that interaction and diversification and so much fun. I think learning, you know, definitely has to be fun. We have to enjoy it. Do you move, like as homeschoolers, um, do (laughs) either of you um, ever consider the future, like as in university or college when you were homeschooling, like, or were you just homeschooling considering just the moment? Because I always wonder how that, how it would fit or align with those standards. If they're even relevant in a new paradigm, that's not for me to decide at this moment, but just curious, maybe parents or, te- or other educators want to know about that as well. Did you, either of you want to share about that? Um, yeah, so in terms of me, obviously, exactly. I definitely do think that my children might well want to go to study, but I would leave that to them to study further. I mean, they're really, really musically talented, like I said earlier. So it might be they want to do that, but they love their cycling. They race on their bikes and they do all that as well. So it might be they want to go into that. And so it's just following what their passion is. But we do, we have that as an option. And that's why I'm considering, like I said, certain things like, well, let's keep your studies up in this in this wave in terms of the GCSE music or stuff like that, just so it could help them if they mm-hmm. want to continue on that line, just so it's they're in that sort of studying mode, as it were, definitely. And what nice. about yours? Did you have that experience, yeah. Janet, or was yours a bit different, like following the Montessori schooling and that type of thing? Uh, you know, I did follow that. And then both of my boys are very athletic. And although my younger son played the uh, violin, we had Suzuki lessons and my older son played the cello. They were also very sports oriented, very athletic. So they wanted to go to school. And at one point, you know, it came to me and I think this is um, in my chapter also, how it was just so crushing to me because I was dedicating my life to homeschooling. That was my world. And when he came to me and said, mother, we need to go to school now. And, you know, in regular school, um, and they wanted that experience. They wanted to know that they were able to do that. You know, I don't know if they had this picture of normal or you know, everyone else is doing this and we're at home. So as they began to get older, they really wanted that that challenge and that difference. They wanted to play sports. And in the junior high setting, they had to make a choice at the school whether they wanted sports or music which was just horrifying to me also because they had to give up that or they chose to give up their violin and cello for sports. And then I did keep it up privately, but to make, to have to make that choice, I don't think is, is really optimal. And I would love to see where children could do all of it whatever they wanted to do. And maybe they could, I think today, 
they can do sports, they can participate, but in that time they couldn't unless they were a part of the school. But again, I think laws have really progressed and changed. Mm. And I love what you were sharing, Hannah, about how you've given yours the choice to do what they want to learn each year. Did you want to share about that? Yeah, so it's just exactly. So I just want to follow their passions. Absolutely. And so we will talk about what do you want to do today? What do you want to do over the next few months? Yeah. And then we'll follow through on it. It's just amazing. But the biggest thing, and Janet, this is for my children as well, is sports and music. That's their two biggest things. Literally every day will be a bike ride and music. That is our fundamental, that is our core subject, as it were. Yeah. And then maths and English, they fit in around it much more for us. Our big things are the creative and the using our bodies. They just adore it. So it's brilliant. But it's really funny you said that, Janet, because my eldest son had a very similar experience that he thought he wanted to try school. So he did. And the biggest thing for me was when we went along to see the school, they thought he might not be able to do it because he's been home educated. And does he know his times tables? And does he know this? And I was like, absolutely, he knows this stuff. You know, and he fitted in and every single teacher just went, I wouldn't have known he was homeschooled. In fact, none of them knew until I said, oh yeah, yeah, he's homeschooled up until now. And of course he's made the choice to come back out and be homeschooled again because he realized it wasn't for him. He passed in um, the UK, you can go to a grammar school and you have to pass an exam to get in. Mm -hmm. so he did his 11 plus and got really great marks and got into this special grammar school, but chose, this isn't right for me. I want the freedom to learn. He realized that actually, he loved homeschooling more, which, of course, as a mum, I loved as well. It's great to have him back again. And now we're oh, back to exactly wonderful. Yeah. And my older son was the one that first approached me on that and on wanting to go back to school. And he taught himself to read when he was really young, at three and a half, four, something. I never sat down and taught him. So then when he went to school, he came home crying one day saying, I can't read anymore because it was that method that they were using to teach reading that he wasn't familiar with. So all of a sudden, you know, everything kind of scrambled and he thought he couldn't read. So we had to work through that. And there were a lot of transitions in order to get them where they were in alignment. And I always gave them the option of staying at home or going to a different school that was more like a home school. And I think that's in my chapter two, where he said, you know, I kind of gave the diagram of the brain, the left brain and the right brain and the little bridge across. And he said, mom, I want to cross the bridge. I'm ready. So we went into the left brain, which is a whole different kind of learning. And the blend of both is I think what we're more coming to today with the recognition of learning styles, which was not recognized in those days. So we have come a long way. It's taken a long time. <laughs> yeah. 
I really love what you've both shared. What I receive from both of you is that you're both very empowered mothers and you really care a lot about your children's education. And I love that you've given choice, like all kinds of choice, you know, like this is so powerful for our listeners to hear about, you know, whether they want to send their child to school, mix with homeschool, send them, you know, that all of this is so relevant for what's happening today because people are just really looking for this new paradigm. They're like, what am I going to do next that's going to support my, my child? And the whole book is about, well, let's empower children. Let's let them rise for what is for their highest good. And you're both already doing that. So that is so inspirational. I'm, I'm so grateful. I wanted to actually ask you both some mindfulness for children tips because I know that you both have a passion for that as well. So who would like to start with that? Maybe we'll start with Janet. Did you want to share something that you could share with parents they could do at home with their children for mindfulness and then we'll hear from Hannah or something like that? Would that be okay? Yeah, well, definitely yoga postures and that is so calming and centering for them. So I always started the day, even when I was teaching in a very structured environment on the Indian reservation, I started with yoga. And that shifted the energy for the whole day. And even for myself, when I started my day with yoga, and I try to do that every day still, it shifted the energy to the point where my children would say, mother, didn't you do your yoga today? Because you're kind of, you know, high strung, or you're a little nervous, or, you know, go do your yoga. So they would tell me, and they recognize that as very important and essential in their well-being, which they still do today. My older son is more structured and formal with it, where he'll actually set time to meditate. My younger son just seems to integrate it into his day. And breathing is always that way that that key to bring us to mindfulness and i also think creativity whatever we're doing with our hands or sports anytime we get into that flow we come into a center within ourselves so that to me is that awareness that mindfulness that brings us to where we are right now I love that. Coming back into the center, just the breath. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. What about yourself, Hannah? So the biggest thing I do um, with my children, but actually with my clients as well. So I, but I use it with my children because it's the most powerful thing I found is just to go into the body, go into your body. So when you're feeling that emotion, so something hasn't gone your way or you suddenly feel that powerful emotion come on or for my children, it's if they haven't done something perfectly, that'll be the time. It went wrong, you know, on the table. I can't do this sum or I didn't play that piece perfectly. At that moment, come into your body, come into your body, just feel it and feel the sensation like a wave. And I say, let it, let it get bigger and just move through, through your body. They can give it a color if they want to. And I can imagine you getting bigger and bigger or brighter and brighter. And we can do different things depending on the situation or what they are ready for, because of course, every situation changes. But it's the feeling, it's going into the body so they can break that cycle so they stop thinking for the moment. And then once they've done that, then we open up, then we can say, then we talk about what it was. It's okay. Mm. 
to be in the moment. It doesn't matter every mistake you learn from, and then we can go into all of that. And that's, of course, mindfulness in in the biggest sense, right? Is just taking and being in the moment. So big time, that's what I use for them always. The visualization with the going into your body that much more. Beautiful. Yeah, it's so powerful what you've shared. I think having that body awareness, especially in those times when they're stressed, that's like rather than it just being um, a class, like let's learn meditation and escape ourselves. like actually coming in when they're in that stress or that trauma trigger and then feeling the body, that is really powerful. I'm going to actually, yeah, consider that when I'm also teaching and things like that as well. That's really powerful to, to bring. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, before we wrap up, we're going to just move into the question that we ask every, every one of our guests, Janet, which has been, um, what is a vision? What is your vision for a new paradigm of education? So I'd love to hear, um, yeah, what Hannah's vision is for this new paradigm. If you wanted to share something with us. So my vision is absolutely that every single child out there can go through their life believing what they believe when they're first born is that they're capable of absolutely anything that they can be whoever they want to be do whatever they want to do and achieve whatever they want to achieve and it's so that we can really embrace that and champion that individuality in each and every child and allow them to really flourish in what Mm. their gift is and that's my new that's my vision for the new paradigm of education that's you that's really powerful it's um I don't even really have words for that vision, but let's just hold that into the vortex. <laughs> it's so powerful. Did you want to share anything else, um, Dr. Janet, about your, your vision for a new paradigm before we wrap up? Sure. I, I have a vision that, you know, we continue as leaders, as teachers, as healers and educators to believe in our children. Like Hannah is saying that we believe that they already know they already have that in there within them and our job is to encourage it to support it and allow it to come out with so much acknowledgement for their uniqueness Mm, beautiful Mm -hmm. namaste to that there's so much every every person i speak to it's just it's amazing like uh, everybody's kind of saying it in their own way but everybody's Uh saying the same thing it was exactly the same when i interviewed all of you for the book and all of the questions within all of your chapters they're all slightly different but they're all similar they're all saying the same thing about just empowering our children and exactly what you've both shared so Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Hannah, so I'd like to just ask you um, if you wanted to just share with our, our listeners and our viewers any any um, where they can find you or any kind of offers that you have that could help them. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the other thing, of course, is when we're empowering our children, we want to be empowered as mums. With empowered mums, our children are going to be much better off. So absolutely. So I'm Hannah Mai from Mother. I literally have actually got a new course coming out, which is called The Art of Joyful Mothering, which is dealing with all of this. It's really embracing what we have been through in our lives so that we can become more conscious mummers and really, really be the best mum we can be for our children and learn from our children. Let go of those limiting beliefs, let go of all that negativity so that we can then find the freedom right now to be able to live our best life and to really share that with our children so that we can allow them to be free as well to really explore Mm -hmm. 
their life in this wonderful, wonderful way. Um, so yeah, so that's an amazing course that I'm starting in January. And of course, I've got my YouTube channel, Hannah Mindful Mother, my Instagram, it's all Hannah Mindful Mother. And it's so yeah, I, would, I just really, really want to help as many mums as I can, and empower as many mums as I can, be the best mums they can be and love their journey with their children as well. Aww. yeah it's really powerful work it's necessary work especially when the word enlightenment like that is like the the highest <laughs> of the, the the I don't even want to say levels but the embodiment of being an enlightened mother that that takes it does take work and so courses and um looking after yourself is is necessary to be able to embody that and to take that time so I think that's really beautiful by booking in a course or something that they're kind of signing up for a higher level and they're also signing up for giving themselves time to do it as well you know so that's that's a beautiful gift that you're giving um giving to the world so um, thank you both so much, Dr. Janet and Hannah, for being on the, the podcast today. Did you want to say any closing words before we finish, Dr. Janet? Looks like you've got something you wanted to share with us. <laughs> um, I can share my work too. Yes. It's called Growing yes. Through Changes. Yes. So I have you know, taken that on from where I started growing with my children and through all of the changes and transitions that we go through, through our developmental stages. So we're continuing our learning and our growing with ourselves, like Hannah's saying, with our children. And I was looking for that enlightenment and that, that place where we are our authentic selves. So I work with women who are maybe still in corporate, who are leaders, who are in education as leaders, teachers who are leaders, and mothers who are leaders of their lives, their families, their selves, their children. And I have a compassionate leadership course and also a course called Essential. And it takes us through where we are right now, enhancing those treasures that we already possess and expressing them into the world and elevating them to keep them in a thriving mode. That's really powerful as well. Thank you so much. Thank I've always seen Dr. Janet's different offers online that she has. She's got all these little different um, facets that she's offering all the time to help educators as well as parents and humanity in general. So it's so beautiful that you could also be on here with us as well. Um, yeah, so I will just close off our um, new paradigm of education podcast uh, with the quote from Mahatma Gandhi, which is, be the change that you wish to be in this world. Um, okay. Namaste, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Namaste. Thank you.